sanctifying the name. A president guilty of sexual abuse. A prime minister indicted on charges of corruption and bribery. Rabbis in several countries accused of financial impropriety, sexual harassment and child abuse. That such things happen testifies to a profound malaise in contemporary Jewish life. More is at stake than simply morality. Morality is universal. Bribery, corruption and the misuse of power are wrong and wrong equally, whoever is guilty of them. When though the guilty are the leaders, something more is involved. The principles introduced in our parasha of Kiddush Hashem and Chilul Hashem. Do not profane my holy name, that I may be sanctified in the midst of the Israelites, I, the Lord, who sanctify you. The concepts of Kiddush and Chilul Hashem have a history. Though they're timeless and eternal, their unfolding occurred through the course of time. In our parsha, according to Ibn Ezra, the verse has a narrow sense. The chapter in which it occurs has been speaking about the special duties of the priesthood and the extreme care they have to take in serving God within the sanctuary. All Israel is holy, but the priests are a holy elite within the nation, and it was their task to preserve the purity and glory of the sanctuary as God's symbolic home in the midst of the nation. So the commands are a special charge to the priests to take exemplary care as guardians of the holy. A second dimension was disclosed by the prophets who used the phrase Chilol Hashem to describe immoral conduct that brings dishonor to God's law as a code of justice and compassion. Amos speaks of people who trample on the heads of the poor as on the dust of the ground and deny justice to the oppressed and so profane my holy name. Jeremiah invokes Chilul Hashem to describe those who circumvent the law by emancipating their slaves only to recapture and enslave them. Malachi, the last of the prophets, says of the corrupt priests of his day, from where the sun rises to where it sets, my name is honored among the nations, but you profane it. The sages suggested that Abraham was referring to the same idea when he challenged God on his plan to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah if this meant punishing the righteous as well as the wicked. Chalil Elecha, far be it from you to do such a thing. God and the people of God must be associated with justice. Chalil Elecha means, they said, it would be Achilul Hashem. A third dimension appears in the book of Yechezkel. The Jewish people, or at least a significant part of it, had been forced into exile in Babylon. The nation had suffered defeat. The temple lay in ruins. For the exiles, this was a human tragedy. They'd lost their home, their freedom, and their independence. It was also a spiritual tragedy. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? But Ezekiel saw it as a tragedy for God also. This is what he said in God's name. Son of man, when the people of Israel were living in their own land, they defiled it by their conduct and their actions. I dispersed them among the nations, and they were scattered through the countries. I judged them according to their conduct and their actions. And wherever they went among the nations, they profaned my holy name. For it was said of them, these are the Lord's people, and yet they had to leave his land." In other words, exile was a chilul Hashem, a desecration of God's name, because the fact that he'd punished his people by letting them be conquered 
was interpreted by other nations as showing that God was unable, as it were, to protect them. And this recalls Moses' prayer after the golden calf. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and don't bring disaster on your people. This is part, in other words, of the divine pathos. Having chosen to identify his name with the people of Israel, God is, as it were, caught between the demands of justice on the one hand and public perception on the other. What looks like retribution to the Israelites looks like weakness to the world. In the eyes of the nations for whom national gods were identified with power, the fact that Israel were in exile could not be but be interpreted as the powerlessness of Israel's God. That, says Ezekiel, is a chilul Hashem, a desecration of God's name. A fourth level of meaning became clear in the late Second Temple period. Israel had returned to its land and rebuilt the temple, but then they came under attack, first from the Seleucid Greeks in the time of Antiochus IV, and then from the Romans, both of whom attempted to outlaw Jewish practice. For the first time, martyrdom became a significant feature in Jewish life. The question arose, under what circumstances were Jews to sacrifice their lives rather than transgress Jewish law? The sages understood the verse, you shall keep my decrees and laws which a man shall keep, or which a person shall keep, and live by them to imply and not die by them. In other words, saving life takes precedence over most of the commands. But there are three exceptions. The prohibitions against murder, forbidden sexual relations, and idolatry, where the sages ruled that it was necessary to die rather than transgress. They also said that at a time of persecution, one should resist at the cost of death even a demand to change one's shoelaces, that is, performing any act that could be construed as going over to the enemy, betraying and demoralizing those who stayed true to the faith. It was at this time that the phrase Kiddush Hashem was used to mean the willingness to die as a martyr. One of the most poignant of all collective responses on the part of the Jewish people was to categorize all the victims of the Holocaust as those who died al-Kiddush Hashem, that is, for the sake of sanctifying God's name. This was not a foregone conclusion, because martyrdom previously meant choosing to die for the sake of God. You could live and, as it were, convert to another faith. One of the demonic aspects of the Nazi genocide was that Jews were not given the choice. By calling them, in retrospect, martyrs, those who died al-Kiddush Hashem, Jews gave the victims the dignity in death of which they were so brutally robbed in life. But then comes the fifth dimension. This is how Maimonides sums it up. There are other deeds which are also included in the category of Chilol Hashem, desecrating God's name, such as when a person of great terror stature, renowned for his piety, does deeds which Although they aren't transgressions, cause people to speak disparagingly of him, this is also a chilol Hashem, a desecration of God's name. And all this depends on the stature of the sage. 
In other words, people looked up to as role models must act as role models. Piety in relation to God must be accompanied by exemplary behavior in relation to one's fellow humans. When people associate religiosity with integrity, decency, humility, and compassion, that is a Kiddush Hashem. God's name is sanctified. When they come to associate it with contempt for others and for the law, the result is a Chilul Hashem. Common to all five dimensions of the meaning of meaning is the radical idea central to Jewish self-definition that God has risked his reputation in the world, his shame, his name, by choosing it to associate it with a single and singular people. God is the God of all humanity, but God has chosen Israel to be his witnesses, his ambassadors to the world. When we fail in this role, it's as if God's standing in the eyes of the world has been damaged. For almost 2,000 years, the Jewish people was without a home, a land, civil rights, security, and the ability to shape its destiny and fate. It was cast in the role of what Max Weber called a pariah people. By definition, a pariah cannot be a positive role model. That is, when Kiddush Hashem took on its tragic dimension is the willingness to die for one's faith. That is no longer the case. Today, for the first time in history, Jews have both sovereignty and independence in Israel and freedom and equality elsewhere. Kiddush Hashem must therefore be restored to its positive sense of exemplary decency in the moral life. That is what led the Hittites to call Abraham Nesi Elohim Ata Betochenu, a prince of God in our midst. It's what leads Israel to be admired when it engages in international rescue and relief, as it's currently doing to the victims and the injured of the earthquake in Nepal in, in India. The concepts of Kiddush and Chilul Hashem form an indissoluble connection between the holy and the good. Lose that and we betray our mission as a holy nation. The conviction that being a Jew involves the pursuit of justice and the practice of compassion is what led our ancestors to stay loyal to Judaism despite all the pressures to abandon it. It would be the ultimate tragedy if we lost that connection now, at the very moment that we're able to face the world on equal terms. Long ago, we were called on to show that religion and morality go hand in hand. Never was that more needed than in an age riven by religiously motivated violence in some countries and rampant secularity in others. To be a Jew is to be dedicated to the proposition that loving God means loving his image, humankind. There is no greater challenge, nor in the 21st century is there a more urgent one.